Hello and a very warm welcome to you all from Worcester Talking News in conjunction with Worcester News and the Equipment Services for the Vision Impaired. Today we are recording the week beginning Friday the 21st of July until today the 27th of July. The team this evening are Patsy Sweetland, Lynn Seymour, Michael Lutak, myself, Kate Hudman and our engineer is Barry Hurd. All administration and copying is done by Carol Hartle and her team who ensure you all receive your wallets each week. We warmly welcome everyone and are always pleased to hear of new listeners. The service is entirely free and includes your Worcester News and also a regular magazine, plus of course our Talking Book Library on request. And there are about a thousand books in there, so hopefully we can please please you at some point. Don't be afraid to contact us by telephone or a little note in your wallet if you wish. We enjoy hearing from you, good or bad. <laughs> Tell us your birthday to include in our birthday book too. We will bring you, as as always, this week's headline stories and other interesting articles, useful telephone numbers, local entertainment, some sports stories and, of course, birthdays and sunrise and sunset. The thought for the week and the obituaries follow. Please may I quickly add to remind you to be alert for scam callers at your door, on the phone and via email or letters. These seem sadly to be increasing. For your health, remember in this strange mixture of weather, hot and cold, to keep yourselves well hydrated. Several cups of tea, coffee, water, squash, etc. throughout the day, if you can manage it, please. Uh, And now I'll open the birthday book and see who's had a birthday or having a birthday this coming week. Uh, Ruth Riddle. uh, Her birthday is tomorrow on the 28th of July. And then Neville Sayers on the 3rd of July. So we wish you both a very, very happy birthday indeed. Um, and the sunrise and sunset. The sun rose today at 5.19am and it set, sets tonight at 9.11pm. Now I'm going to hand over to Lynn who will tell you about the entertainment in Worcester this uh, next week. Thank you. Um, Worcester Theatres first and Huntingdon Hall has an evening with Bob Harris, OBE and Martin Joseph and that's Friday the 28th and it starts at 7.30pm and then at the Swan Theatre you've got Dreams of Fleetwood Mac that's Friday the, That's Friday again tomorrow 730 and I'd like to just mention that Worcester Operatic and Dramatic Society Youth Section are presenting Carousel that starts on Tuesday the 1st until Saturday the 5th of August and the shows are 7.15 and a 2.15 Saturday matinee. At the Norbury we've got Lollipop Theatre and they're presenting Footloose the Musical and that's on Thursday the 27th until Saturday the 29th of July. And also we've got Oklahoma which is from the 18th to the 28th of October, so you've got plenty of time to get that one planned. Starts at 7.30. And next, Morven Theatre, they've got a musical, which is Heather's, and that's 28th and the 29th of July at 7.30. And then Glenn Miller Tribute Concert, Wednesday the 16th of August at 7.45. Number 8, which is the theatre in Pershaw, they have got tomorrow, Friday the 28th, Brian and Roger Eno live at the Acropolis, and that starts at 7.30, 
and then they've got Pershaw Jazz on a summer's day. That's Saturday the 12th of August, 2 o'clock till 5.30 and 7.15 till 10.30. And last but not least, the local Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum have um, I Grew Up in the 80s and that is the 8th of July until the 9th of September and it just says that it's a nostalgic exhibition featuring iconic objects of this colourful era and great change. And now for some useful telephone numbers. Worcester Talking News 01905 767 766 Police Non-Emergency 101 NHS Direct 111 Out of Hours Medical Assistance between 6pm and 8pm 0300123 Crime Stoppers 0800555111 Community Risk Team Fire Safety 0800-032-1155 Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800-980-3331 Worcestershire County Council Here to Help 01905-768053 and request option 3 Worcester Hub 01905-765-765 Scent Adventures Walking for the Visually Impaired Telephone D. Jones on 01684-891297 Samaritans, free phone number 116123 Worcester Theatre's Box Office 01905 611427 Malvern Theatre Box Office 01684892277 Norbury Theatre Droitwich Box Office 01905770154 Number 8 Theatre Pershaw Box Office 01386555488 Few others here National Grid formerly Western Power 0800-917-7953 a 24-hour service use this in event of a power cut there's a priority service register free on 0800-032-8302 who will provide information for example in braille large print or alternative languages thank you Patsy very much now the headlines for this week will be started by Lynn so Friday, July the 21st, it looks just like a prison, but councils still approve care home. A controversial plan to build a new care home on the site of a former restaurant has been narrowly backed by councillors. Worcester City Council's planning committee gave the green light to demolish the former Purdiswell Harvester and replace it with a 76-bed care home, a year after throwing out a similar plan for being too big. It was a tight vote that resulted in the plan by care home provider MACC Care getting the thumbs up from the committee. 
Those councillors opposing the new care home again criticised its ugly design. Councillor Richard Udall compared the care home to a prison and was not convinced its rooms were big enough. I suppose beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but to me it looks like a prison, he said, at the planning meeting in the Guildhall on July the 20th. Councillor Alan Amos said it looked like something that was built in East Germany in the 1950s. And Councillor Owen Cleary, who called the designs ugly and depressing last year, said not much had changed and called for the plan to be turned down. Whereas Councillor Louis Stephen said the current site was an eyesore and the new plans looked like a quality design and building it would significantly improve the amount of housing in the city. Councillor Jabba Riaz said the potential for jobs on a secure, quiet and unassuming site with no prospect of antisocial behaviour compared to previous plans for a McDonald's drive through meant it ticked a number of boxes. Clane's councillor, Mel Orcott, said very little had changed from last year's plan and she called for it to be turned down again. There is more outdoor space, but we have been assured that the residents aren't really going to be doing outside anyway, so I still think this is overdevelopment. A tight vote on whether the care home should be allowed to be built was won by six votes to five, with planning chair councillor Karen Lewing using her casting vote when the committee was deadlocked. The plan for a 78 care home on the same site was rejected by councillors a year ago, who called the designs ugly and depressing and lacking imagination and akin to barracks for warehousing people. Councillors went against the advice of officers when it rejected the plan and planners who described the latest plan as broadly identical to the one rejected last year, again recommended the care home be approved. A controversial plan to build a McDonald's drive through on the site was eventually withdrawn in November 2019. Uh, the front page headline of uh, Saturday the 22nd of July is Man Jailed After Drugs Raid Faces Deportation, Illegal Immigrants' Case in Home Office's Hands. A 30-year-old illegal immigrant jailed for being involved in a large drug operation at a city house now faces deportation. We reported how Mihal Asani was caught after police carried out a drugs raid at his home in Chestnut Street, Worcester, in March. David Jackson, prosecuting, said Asani told police he originally arrived in the country by boat 11 months earlier before being brought from London to look after the cannabis plants. The raid revealed a professional setup in nature, with the property effectively sealed with equipment and ventilation built in. Police found Asani in the bathroom having a shave, and on him was a Samsung phone with an additional SIM card. Discovered were 104 <coughs> cannabis plants and bags of dried cannabis in four rooms, 157 seedling plants in the cellar, £125 in cash, Brand new trainers worth £114, fertilisers, heat lamps and fans. The prosecutor said, although his account put to him in the position of a gardener, 
with less significant role in the operation, other elements suggested a significant role. These included that Asani had lived at the home for free and would have known the scale of the operation. In his interview, Asani told police he was scared to leave the property as the people who originally took him attended regularly. And Asani claimed he didn't know how to contact the police. Mr Jackson added, the offence is aggravated by the bypassing of the electricity supply and the professionalism of the setup. Sarah Day, defending, said that Asani performed a limited role under direction. He would have had no influence on those above him in the chain, she said. The defendant knows what he did was wrong and is extremely sorry for it. She added Asani, who has no previous convictions, had found it difficult being held in an overcrowded prison before the hearing and had suffered panic attacks. His Honour, Judge James Burbridge, KC, said although he had no financial value on the plants, as there had been no evidence of potential yield, Asani had been involved in a commercial operation in an ordinary home, designed to bring in a significant amount of money. The judge said Asani's gain had been to live there, somewhere that gave him the ability to avoid the immigration authorities who were searching for him. The judge jailed Asani for a year and explained it could not be suspended as Asani was an illegal immigrant unable to undertake a community service sentence and that the offence was so serious a custodial sentence had to be imposed. The judge added whether Asani would be deported would now be a matter for the Home Office. The judge sent a date for a proceeds of crime hearing and encouraged people to look into who had funded Asani's defence as he turned down legal aid. Eyewitnesses told us there was a large police presence in Chestnut Street on March 25th. Residents had said they were left without electricity as their power was turned off during the raid as it emerged the mains cable had been tampered with. And the headline on Monday, July the 24th, dog attacks are soaring. Bites across the county are up by dozens. Dog bites increased by the dozens across Herefordshire and Worcestershire last year. NHS data has shown there were approximately 90 episodes of patients being treated in hospital for dog bites in the former NHS Herefordshire and Worcestershire CCG in the year to March 2023. This was up from 65 the year before. The figures are rounded under not a count of people as one person could be seen more than once within the year. The move has prompted one charity to call for an overhaul in existing dog control laws. On Wednesday, July the 12th, three people were hurt in one dog attack in Boughton Avenue, St John's, including a woman who suffered potentially life-changing injuries and who was rushed to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham. Police said the family killed the dog, which was a family pet, to prevent further injury. It was dead when the police arrived. On the same day, but in an unrelated incident, a nine-year-old boy suffered a serious leg injury caused by a dog at home in Porterfields Road, Tonadine. The dog was recovered by officers and is secured in kennels. Chris Slight, rehoming centre manager at Dogs Trust Evesham, said, Around a third of all UK households now own a dog, and most dogs live harmoniously with their families without incident. 
Unfortunately, there does appear to be a rise in the number of dog bites and dog-related injuries, and there isn't a simple answer to why this is. However, the increase also could be down to dogs not being able to access socialisation and training opportunities at critical stages of development during the pandemic. Dogs Trust would like to see a greater focus on interventions and solutions which reduce the risk of aggression occurring in the first place. We know that the majority of dog bites to children occur in the home by a known dog. Despite this, just this month, research from Dogs Trust revealed that 84% of parents leave their children unsupervised around their dogs. We also want to see the existing dog control rules laws overhauled as they are currently not fit for purpose. Any new approach must be preventative, breed neutral and evidence-based as the research shows us that no breed of dog is more likely to be aggressive more than any other and there is no evidence that the reported increase in dog attacks is down to one particular breed. Nationally there are also uh, there has also been a rising number of episodes of people in hospital because of dog bites, with a provisional 9,300 recorded in 2022-23. to 23. That's an increase from 8,800 the year before, and the highest number since at least 2011. Tuesday the 25th of July. Man admits waving knife outside pub. Armed police had been called to the Portobello Inn. A man the bartenders refused to serve left Worcester pub and returned with a knife, waving it in an aggressive manner at two victims. Michael Carey, aged 57, brandished the knife at people outside the Portobello Inn in St John's on June the 4th. Alea Adams, prosecuting, said Carey had returned to the pub after bar staff refused to serve him. When asked about the offences, Carey told the court he couldn't remember them as he had been drunk, but he accepted he was guilty after being shown CCTV. We previously reported that armed police were called to the pub and armed police also attended Carey's property later that day. Carey of Boswood Street admitted possession of a knife blade stroke sharp point article in a public place and two public order offences using disorderly behaviour towards two victims. During his appearance at Worcester Magistrates Court on Friday the 21st of July, the court heard he had previously denied a number of offences but Carey said this wasn't true and had been done in error. As the court record showed a not guilty plea, the court clerk put the charges to him again and he admitted the three offences at the Portobello. Carey denies a charge of drink driving on the same day. That offence is said by the prosecution to have taken place on June the 4th. The defendant alleged to have driven a Volkswagen Golf when he had 88 mcgs of alcohol in 100 mls of breath, the legal limit being 35 mcg. Carey was told his trial for that offence would take place at the court on October the 30th, when he will also be sentenced for the offences he admitted. During his court appearance, Carey was sentenced for a separate offence of drunken disorderly, which he had previously admitted. Miss Adams told the court that on March the 31st, Carey had been at Bushwhackers and threatened to stab Doorstop. Doorstop took him to the floor, the prosecutor said. 
he refused to give his name and address to police. The prosecutor said Carey had been abusive to both police and members of the public in the area at the time. Carey, who had two previous convictions, including one for drunk and disorderly, represented himself. He told the court, I must have been drinking at home. I can't remember any of it. Carey added he was currently receiving universal credit as he was signed off work with a broken wrist. Dean Johnson, chairman of the magistrate's bench, suggested to Carey he see his doctor about his drinking. He fined Carey £80 and ordered he pay costs of £135 and a victim surcharge of £32. Carey was placed on conditional bail ahead of his trial, the conditions being he must not contact the prosecution's witnesses or visit the pub. Okay, headlines for Wednesday, July the 26th. Uh, it starts off, Rapper's explicit morning set cost me thousands. Wacky weekender organiser forced to close stage. Horrified festival organisers were forced to pull the plug on a rapper's expletive-ridden set after complaints that his foul language could be heard all over Pitchcroft. Shocked wacky weekend of festival goers, along with dog walkers and nearby residents, complained after hearing the unnamed rapper use incredibly strong swear words during their morning set. Organiser Mark Cookson said he was horrified by the explicit language and rushed stage three at around 11am. Decision was taken to cancel the rest of the line-up for stage three on Sunday. Dog walker Mary Reeves called the language disgraceful. She said she was walking her dog around Pitchcroft at 11.30am when she overheard the coarse language. When you have kids around and this early in the day, it's disgraceful. Festival goer Claire Edwards said it was advertised as a family-friendly festival. Stage three had acts that spouted the most disgusting and foul language during their time on stage that I've ever heard, both during the day and at night. The organisers even received complaints from locals nearby about the language, but it took until Sunday morning for them to cancel that stage. Mr Cookson said the stage was shut down and they were told to stop. I rushed down to the stage. I was horrified by the language being used. I did everything I could. They cost me thousands of pounds to shut that stage and they ruined it for everyone else. It shouldn't have happened, but I can't be responsible for someone else's actions. Many people have been looking forward to seeing stage three headline Devlin who has a song with Ed Sheeran, which was produced by Labyrinth. Organisers paid the council artists their 50% deposit, but not the remaining 50% of their fees because they didn't perform. An announcement was made on Sunday evening that the stage had been closed due to technical issues. Mr Cookson continued, Hundreds of people enjoyed the festival. We've had one or two complaints. We had to battle with the weather, but it was still a good event. You will 100% see us again next year. It's been very hard, but people have enjoyed themselves. Scores of people enjoyed seeing acts including <coughs> Top Loader, Scouting for Girls and the Blue Tones at Worcester Racecourse on Friday. 
July the 21st to Sunday the 23rd. And the headline today, Thursday, July the 27th, City firm hit with £12,000 fine for Bricky's fall. Worker fell over four metres and fractured his skull. A Worcester construction company has been fined £12,000 after a bricklayer fell through a stairwell, op- stairwell opening and fractured his skull. Scott Ife, 30, was working for Two Counties Construction, Midlands Limited, when the incident took place on Monday, June the 8th, 2020. The company had been hired as the principal contractor overseeing the refurbishment of agricultural barns into houses on Humber Lane in Telford, Shropshire. Mr Ife fell through an unprotected stairwell opening from the first floor of the renovation project. Working alongside another employee, Mr Ife from Bridgenorth, who was 27 at the time, was laying the blocks to form the gable walls for a two-storey extension. The pair set up a working platform using Youngman boards on the property's first floor. There was an unprotected stairwell opening in the property, so one end of the Youngman boards was unsupported. While leaning over to point up the blocks in the gable walls, the worker lost his balance before falling onto the unsupported Youngman boards and through the stairwell opening. He fell four and a half metres onto the concrete floor below, fracturing his skull and damaging his facial nerve. The man was hospitalised for three days following the incident. The stairwell void below the first floor of the property... Oh, sorry, that sentence isn't completed in, in the reading. An investigation by the Health and Safety Executive identified a series of failings on the part of Two Counties Construction Limited, including a lack of suitable controls for preventing falls into the building and through the stairwell openings. There was also inadequate planning, a lack of selection of equipment for working at height and inadequate site management arrangements. Two Counties Construction of Taylor's Lane, Broomall, Worcester, pleaded guilty to breaching Regulation 13.1 of the Construction Design and Management Regulations 2015. The company was fined £12,000 and ordered to pay £4,139 in costs at Cannock Magistrates Court on Friday, July the 21st. David Brassington, HSE Inspector, said this incident could and should have been easily avoided. Work at height needs to be properly planned and managed to ensure the appropriate precautions are used. We are fortunate that the injuries resulting from these failings were not far more serious. This prosecution was supported by HSE enforcement lawyer Nathan Cook. Worcester News has contacted Two Counties Construction but they have not received a reply. And now some items in the paper through the week that you may find interesting. Let's start with Mike. Weekend uh, a hit despite the rain. Rainy weather put some people off, but did little to dampen the spirits of those who did attend Wacky Weekender. Wacky Weekender's second day was disrupted by rain, which was forecast to last the entirety of Saturday, July 22nd. Despite the weather, people still decided to come out in their waterproofs to listen to the music and get some food and drinks. Organisers chose to make day two of the festival free due to the weather conditions and anyone who had paid for tickets was offered free food. 
Mark Cookson, organiser of Wacky Weekender, said, I wanted to bring big names to the city. The idea was to make a fun weekend for Worcester in a central location. It has been very trying and tough to put this event on, but we have succeeded. The weather has backfired on us today, which is such a shame, but nobody can control that. Still, we're down here with some wonderful acts, great street food. People just need to come down and enjoy it. Due to the adverse weather today, we did decide to make it free entry. And hopefully those who came down and enjoyed themselves will come back tomorrow. Morgan Woodland, an, an attendee at today's event, was full of praise despite the rainy weather. She said, it's certainly a shame about the rain, but I think what they've been able to do here is wonderful. We're certainly glad to be here. Loz Ruston was working at one of the bars at the festival and was happy to be serving attendees. He said, today has been a bit hit and miss with the weather, but our first day was great. There are people braving the weather and coming through so it's good to see. Mark Simmons, owner of Mark's Hot Stuff, had a stall at today's events selling a variety of hot sauces. He said, it's been brilliant for me. People are coming in and checking out the stall and enjoying themselves. There are lots of good people here with stalls. It's great to see and I hope to be able to do this again if the festival returns. Saturday night's headline act will be the Blue Tones, while Sunday was headlined by Top Loader and Scouting for Girls. Right, Monday, July the 24th. Headline is Shoppers Grin and Bear Smell. Shoppers are continuing to use a Worcester supermarket despite an off-putting gross poo smell. The Worcester News reported last week that a sewage-like smell had returned to the Tesco store in Millwood Drive, Warnden Villages. The problem has been going on for months, but some customers keep returning anyway. Chris Manda said she had no choice but to put up with the stench, as it's the only shop for miles. She said when you walk in, you really notice the sewage stench, but even with the sewage smell, it's the nearest shop we know from my, granddad, my grandkids' home. So I've no choice but to put up with the smell. Joanne Hardwick, who lives in Warnden, said, I've noticed the smell. It hits you as you walk in. It smells like drains and they don't even offer any discounts to compensate. I notice it all the time, especially near the veg and fruit. It's not particularly hot either today. It's been smelling for a month. I'm thinking if it was hot, it would make it worse. I still go as it's convenient for me. It does need to be sorted. It's not nice at all. Jean Jones of Warnden said the smell puts her off buying fresh food on her weekly shop. She said you have to hold your nose as you shop. I've been going to this store for over two years and I've noticed it before. There needs to be some investigations done by Tesco, but I still want to shop there. It does smell like sewage. I could smell it near the vegetables and the fruit. It's near the toilet. It does put me off buying the fruit and veg there. It could be the farmers spraying the fields. You should really shut the store and investigate it. Mike Leroy of Warnden said, as long as the items you pick up to buy don't smell horrible, then I reckon it's okay. My wife does the shopping anyway, so she can put up with the smell. Tim Potter of St John's Worcester said, it's like a gross poo smell. Nobody wants to do their shopping with that lingering around. I'll go elsewhere. 
Tesco said maintenance teams are working to resolve the issue, but the smell poses no health issues and it's not caused by any kind of sewage. Costa Coffee has provided clarity over its new location in Worcester City Centre. The coffee shop chain is moving into the former Paper Chase store on High Street with another location already on High Street opposite the Guildhall, next to the Odeon Cinema in Fourgate Street and in St Martin's Quarter. So four. However, the brand has now officially confirmed that its other High Street store will close its doors in late autumn. A spokesman for Costa Coffee said we can confirm that we are moving our Costa Coffee store from 31 High Street to just down the street to 51 High Street. We're excited to open the doors of the new store in late autumn, offering customers an uplifting, bright design with modern furniture. As the nation's favourite coffee shop, we are proud of the roles our teams and stores play in making a meaningful contribution to communities and high streets. Team members from the old store will be relocating to the new store, ready to welcome back their customers for their favourite handcrafted Costa coffees. An opening date for the new branch has not yet been confirmed by the chain. Renovations on the inside of the building have not yet started, with the former paper chase layout still visible from the outside. One of the posters reads, We're brewing something new. Worcester, we're opening your brand new store soon. Paper Chase went into administration in January this year, putting all of its 106 stores under threat. The struggling stationery store had been on the brink of administration a year earlier, with most of its stores closed over Christmas because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Tesco stepped in to buy the Paper Chase brand, but its shops were left to go under. Worcester City Centre also has other major chain cafes, such as two Cafe Nero locations and two Starbucks locations. Move to use River 7 to heat city. A move to heat buildings by using power from the River 7 has been hailed as a win-win for the city. Worcester City Council has been given £230,000 from the Department for Energy, Security and Net Zero to help build a case for a new underground heat network which would distribute hot water to heat older buildings in Worcester City Centre using power generated by the River Severn. The move, which was backed by the City Council's Environmental Committee on Tuesday, July the 18th, would help cut the Council's emissions and energy bills in the bid for Worcester becoming a carbon-neutral city by 2030. Labour councillor Zoe Cookson, vice-chairman of the council's environmental committee, said the move was a win-win. This is a big step forward for the decarbonisation of the city and it's being delivered in a way which helps reduce the burden on the council taxpayer. She said by cutting the city's gas bills and reducing our reliance on fossil fuels, Worcester City Council is showing real leadership on green energy. Green councillor Karen Lewing, who chairs the Environmental Committee, said this is a great example of using the City Council and a small amount of money, we can actually get something started that will make a real difference. Worcestershire LEP revealed in February the heat network, network could cost as much as £20 million and would heat homes and businesses in the city centre, including the proposed Shrub Hill redevelopment. 
the heat network could power all of the Worcester University buildings, as well as those owned by Worcester City Council, Sanctuary Housing's head of office and a number of other buildings in the city centre. The council said building the network could significantly cut the carbon footprint of publicly owned buildings, such as the Guild Hall, Museum and Art Gallery in Fourgate Street and the Commandery, where age and condition make them unsuitable for other renewable energy sources. Three years ago, councillors agreed to spend £10,000 on a study to find out how the River Severn could be used for power and backed a bid to the government for funding. The approval did not come without its doubts about how potentially expensive and disruptive the scheme could prove to be. Casino is allowed to extend its hours. A city centre gambling shop has been given permission by the council to open until 6am. Merca Slots in the Cross, Worcester, made a successful request to Worcester City Council to extend its opening hours until 6am every day. The extended hours were improved by the council's planning officers, who said the move had not raised any objections, despite being in the city's biggest hotspot for antisocial behaviour and disorder. Merca said it had not received any complaints about noise or disturbance in the 18 months since opening. Approving the plan, the council's planning officers said the extended hours would not affect crime in the area. It is considered that the application to extend the opening hours from 9am to 6am daily will not have a noticeable impact on the current levels of noise, disturbance or crime within the area, the council planners said. And this is supported by both the local police and Worcestershire Regulatory Services. West Mercia Police said that even though the cross remained the highest area for crime disorder, Merca's slots had shown effective management for the premises, staff and customers, and it raised no objections. The success comes after the casino chain had a request to open 24 hours a day turned down by the council a year ago. As they did then, Bosses at Merkur Slots called on City Council to show a level of consistency in its decision-making after agreeing for neighbouring gambling outlets to open longer. Last year, Shipley Amusement Centre moved from the former Scala Theatre in Angel Place around the corner to Broad Street and was given permission by City Council to open 24 hours a day, a privilege that Merkur Slots said should be extended to its venue. West Mercia Police had been against Merca's 24-7 plan from the start, but was willing to trial a 2am cut-off so officers could keep an eye on the situation and review it in future. Planning officers at Worcester City Council said the fears from police were rational and reasonable, but was willing to accept the gambling shop closing at 2am instead of midnight. Pressured to de- donate... A disgruntled visitor to Worcester Cathedral has complained he felt under pressure to donate during a shakedown at the entrance. The visitor left a negative TripAdvisor review about the cathedral, saying he felt hassled to donate by volunteers and that one visitor was left trembling. Leaving the cathedral, uh, a one out of five rating, The visitor even threatened to return and covertly film volunteers if they carried on pressuring people to donate. 
he spoke of an unacceptable and almost physical pressure to voluntarily donate. However, cathedral leaders have responded on TripAdvisor saying they want everyone to feel welcome, but also describe the costs of maintaining the building. Overall, the cathedral remains the most highly rated attraction in the city on TripAdvisor, with a rating of 4.5 out of 5, after close to 3,000 reviews. The review read, It's a shakedown at the entrance. It does often feel like one. Unacceptable and almost physical pressure to voluntarily donate. If anything, the shakedown for donations just inside the entrance is worse than before and comes over a sinister, e.g. a member of staff actively blocking your way until you donate. I've seen an elderly couple shocked and the woman trembling at this treatment ahead of me. I just glared at the volunteer and ignored her rudeness. The cathedral needs to choose between a mandatory entrance fee or a true voluntary donation, e.g. where there isn't pressure or insinuation to donate. If it carries on with the current practice, then I'm going to start covertly filming the unacceptable way the volunteers hassle people for money, and then the clips will go online. Worcester Cathedral responded to the comment directly on TripAdvisor. A spokesman said, Dear John, Thank you for your feedback. We want everyone to feel welcome at Worcester Cathedral and we're sorry that this has not been the case for you. We are committed to keeping Worcester Cathedral free to enter for all, but we are sure you can understand the need for us to encourage donations in order to maintain the cathedral's work, worship, fabric and the many other facets of cathedral life. We have passed your feedback on to our visitor experience team and they would be really happy to meet with you to discuss your concerns and how we might improve our welcome in more detail. If you would like to arrange a meeting, please contact Daniel on visits at worcestercathedral.org.uk with the very best wishes, the team at Worcester Cathedral. Worcester Cathedral have been approached for comment. An epic charity golf day which will see 54 holes of golf played, totalling 15 miles of walking, is set to take place at a Droitwich golf club. 23 players will come together to play all three rounds in one day at Gordet Luke Golf Club in aid of Dementia UK today. This was July the 25th. There will be five teams of four members each, including a lady golfer, a junior, senior players and a team of special guests, non-members. They range in age from 13 to 72. Each 18 holes will be in a different fun format, with teams and sections competing against each other for added interest. The day starts at 6.30am and ends at 9pm. It was organised by club captain Chris Hobbs. A spokesperson said, Chris is very proud of so many diverse people giving up their time for this special cause. This inclusive day will be challenging for all, but a fantastic cause as anyone who has been touched by dementia will know the awfulness of diseases such as Alzheimer's. Donations can be made to the Just Giving page at www.justgiving.com-team-54-hole-function-challenge. Learn more about what Dementia UK does from their website at Dementia UK. Your views on Scala Plan. 
Residents have reacted to news that a plan to build a 500-seat theatre has been capped in favour of a much smaller venue amid budget constraints. Readers have been sharing their thoughts on the situation on Worcester News' Facebook page. Worcester City Council has revealed it is pulling the plug on current plans for the listed Scala Theatre in Angel Place in Worcester and will instead look to build a 300-seat venue after seeking the gap in the budget rocket. After, after seeking the gap in the budget rocket to 3.5 million since the start of the year. The project, which was being funded by nearly £18 million in government future high street fund money, has been drastically reduced ever since the money was awarded in 2020. And now the City Council is struggling to carry out the cornerstone Scala work. Ben Merrick said, put the money into the swan, a perfectly good theatre with a great hard-working team, already, which already has a following in the community. Just needs some money spent on it, and it would be just what the city needs. Other readers agreed with this, and Julia Jones said they should be investing in the Swan Theatre rather than resurrecting an old one. A theatre needs to be fit for many styles of show, and this isn't. However, Steve Horn said, Such a shame after all the redevelopment of that area, another one bites the dust. Such an interesting building. Worcester just doesn't learn and will probably turn it into a barber's. However, one reader said the theatre could be turned into a music venue. Jim Flynn said Worcester could do with a decent venue for music, might actually get bands coming to the city on tour instead of Wolverhampton, Birmingham or Gloucester. Several other commentators said the decision was disappointing. Fraser Bufton said, This is a real shame. It would have provided a real boost to the city centre and have been a real catalyst for a much-needed regeneration of the area. I appreciate that budgets are stretched at the moment, but it does feel very short-sighted. But others were not interested in the new theatre and said the money and building could be put into something much better. Furka Wolfren said, Can we put the money we have used for that into something like helping the homeless or something maybe instead of a theatre make more affordable housing or something maybe we could use the money to remove the disgusting anti-homeless architecture that's appeared in Worcester over the past few years woman 44 used mobile a 44 year old has been found guilty by magistrates of driving while using a mobile phone. Sarah Donovan of Arrowsmith Avenue, Worcester, did not appear for her trial on Wednesday, July 19th, and was found guilty of using a handheld mobile phone while driving in her absence. Donovan committed the offence while driving an Audi A4 on Samsung Street, Worcester, on September 9th last year. Donovan was given a six penalty points which were added to her driving licence and fined £220. The defendant was ordered to pay £110 costs and £88 victim surcharge. Donovan was told to pay the full amount, £418, before August 16th. And now some sporting items for you, uh, and then we'll start us tonight. 
Worcester Sport. Worcester City manager Chris Corns believes he is one or two players away from deciding his first choice team following the 3 naught pre-season defeat at Eversham United on Tuesday night. City were the better team in the first half and should have had a penalty moment before the Robins took the lead against the run of play via Levi Steele's header. Despite conceding, City played some good football and looked comfortable in possession against a side a league above them. Corns admitted at full time that the starting eleven was something close to what will be lining up next Tuesday at Clanes Lane in the Hellenic League Premier opening with Tuffley Rovers. Somewhere near, I would say, I still have one or two missing. I am not a million miles away, but nothing is set in stone, he said. There are lads that needed minutes tonight, Tuesday, and some that have been away on holiday, and that is something to consider. I don't think we are far off, but probably a couple that should come back and will come back into the starting side. Corns did make changes at half-time and throughout the second period, and the game slipped away from them in what turned out to be a scrappy second-half performance. The manager suggested that a number of players played themselves out of contention after disappointing displays once being brought on. We made a lot of changes at half-time and then as the half wore on, which made it a bit of a damp squid in that second period, but the goals weren't great. Let's be honest, said Corns. Did some of those who came on convince me that should, they should be in the squad? No, some of them didn't. And I have been honest with some of those after the game and they know what they have to do to form here today. But he, we played a good side today who were one win away from going up last season. So you are not going to come over here and turn them over easily. Will we play anyone as good as this in the season coming up? Maybe once or twice, but we have to deal with that better and take what we have learned forward into the league. Corns was very open in his view that he does not like pre-season friendlies and he is now looking forward to the real stuff getting underway next week. I have said before that not many of us managers like pre-season, he added. You can win all your games and then be relegation material. So pre-season is all about minutes, but the results are not the be-all and end-all. People have to remember we were relegation fodder last season and we have ripped the bones out of the team and bought in 12 and bought in 12 to 13 new players and we have had such a small window to get this team to gel. We should be judged from next Tuesday onwards and I'd like to think come Tuesday we should be there ready to go. More football unbeaten 7 in 7 has Raiders top form continues. Worcester Raiders made it seven wins from seven in pre-season as Jordan Murphy's late goal saw them beat West Bromwich Albion under-21s at six ways. In an uninventful, typical pre-season game of football, there was little to split the two sides before Murphy's late winner in front of 400 at six ways. Carl Gormley's side remained unbeaten in the month of July ahead of their 2023-24 league campaign. It was a quiet first half with very little to report as the two sides cancelled each other out. But Rich Smith did come close before the break when he rounded the keeper only to roll his shot the wrong side of the post. 
The game continued to be a tight affair into the second half and it took to almost the hour mark for a chance when Joe Bates's corner almost provided the first goal, only for the ball to be hacked off the line by a defender. It was heading towards a rather dull nil-nil draw until the final minutes when Murphy found the back of the net from close range. Murphy had another chance in stoppage time to make it two, but it didn't matter as he did enough to record a seventh win out of seven in pre-season. Starring role. Tongue's back with a bang. The departing Josh Tongue registered 5-4 upon his return to Worcestershire as the England man helped guide his side to victory by 100 runs at Leicestershire. Tongue, who was playing in his first game since his move to Nottinghamshire, was confirmed, came into the squad following his release from the England Ashes squad. And he marked his return with a bang, completing his 5-4 with the final three wickets of the game to seal the win at Leicestershire. Worcestershire began the day needing to take just three wickets, with Leicestershire still 124 runs off a victory themselves at 114 for seven. But the game was wrapped up inside the opening hour of the day as Tongue took the remaining wickets to complete his 5-4 and hand the pairs the victory by 100 runs. Leicestershire's hopes were seemingly resting on Rian Ahmed's shoulders, beginning the day on 33, but he became Tongue's third victim of the innings with just the third ball of the day. Chris Wright and Callum Parkinson added 22 for the ninth wicket, but Tongue took two wickets on the 39th over to finish things off, and Worcestershire claimed a 100-run win. Another of the departing players at the end of the season, Dylan Pennington, ended the match with seven wickets, while Matthew Waite took four. And there's a little article here on Haynes' departure. Batsman is the third pairs player to sign for Nottinghamshire. Worcestershire have confirmed that batsman Jack Haynes has become the third player to sign for Nottinghamshire at the end of this season. Haynes will follow Worcestershire players Josh Tung and Dylan Pennington at Trent Bridge from the 2024 season on a three-year deal. 22-year-old Academy product Haynes made his debut for the county in 2019 and has gone on to become a crucial player in the squad. His development at Worcestershire has earned him representation at international level, having played for England under-19s and featuring in England's Lions tour of Sri Lanka in the winter. Haynes said, The decision to leave my home club has been a very difficult one for me. I leave behind a host of special memories from playing on the boundary as a young boy, coming up through the age groups to taking the field now with the guys I grew up with. I'd like to thank everyone at New Road who supported me along the way, teammates, coaches and supporters. I've loved playing for Worcestershire and there would always be a special place for me and my family. I send my best wishes to everyone at the club for 2024 and beyond. Haynes is the fourth player to confirm his departure from the county with bowler Pat Brown heading off to Derbyshire following the conclusion of the current season. But it's yet further evidence that Worcestershire are unable to compete with the contracts on offer at the more established counties in the, sit- in the country. Worcestershire's cheap 
Executive Officer Ashley Giles added, It's always disappointing to see a player nurtured by our own pathway and academy to leave the club. We would like to take this opportunity to wish Jack every success in the future. And now a swimming story. Sensational. Richards crowned world champion. Worcestershire's Matt Richards has claimed Great Britain's first gold medal of the Worcester Aqua- the World Aquatics Championships. The swimmer from Droitwich led a sensational British 1-2 in the men's 200m freestyle final in Fukuoka, Japan, to become world champion. The 20-year-old came on strong down the home stretch, leading from the third after 150 metres to clock 1 minute and 44.30 seconds and PIP teammate and Olympic champion Tom Dean, who also finished very well. Dean prevailed ahead of fellow Briton Duncan Scott at the Tokyo Olympics, but settled for silver after finishing just two hundredths of a second behind Richards, despite being fifth on the final turn. I am pretty tired, but over the moon, it was a stacked field, Richards told BBC Sport. It's amazing to come away with the GB 1-2 again. People thought Popovici was going to walk away with the gold, so my coach and I had to plan our race and swim sensibly, he said. But some of those guys have very long arms, so I knew I needed to get the finish right. It all comes down to not being afraid and trusting in your ability and the work you put in. And now some more stories from general, uh, the general news. We need to be the lifeboat for pupils who need us most. A dazzling display has been set up at County Hall in Worcestershire, showcasing the brilliant work of several students from Perryfields Primary Prue. Students from a pupil referral unit in Worcester were invited to spend the morning with Worcestershire County Council Chairman, Councillor Kyle Daisley, to see their work displayed and learn about how the council worked. Councillor Kyle Daisley, Chairman of Worcestershire County Council, said... It was a fantastic opportunity to spend the morning with the children. They were in good spirits and full of questions about local government and how the council works, which was heartwarming to see. We had a tour of the council chamber and the members area of County Hall and each child was presented with a small gift and a certificate for their dedication to completing the display. He added, the artwork and photographs really brighten up the space and it's been a wonderful conversation starter for all who walk by. We will be using the area to showcase, showcase more of our wonderful schools in the coming weeks and months. This project is just one example of how I will be ensuring that young people have a voice in shaping Worcestershire's future during my time as chairman. The visit culminated in a friendly football match at the Countryside Centre, which ended 3-1. Pete Hines, OBE, head teacher at Perryfields Primary Prue, said it was wonderful to see the students really embrace and enjoy the visit. They have worked so hard on the display and the children were very excited for our visit to County Hall. We are very grateful to the chairman and the council for inviting the children in and making them feel so welcome. Perryfields is a caring, welcoming, stable and friendly school community that I am extremely proud of. 
We focus on meeting needs and enabling our pupils to feel safe, happy and confident. Together we strive to bring the best out of our pupils, ensuring that they maximise their potential and are prepared as fully as possible for a return to mainstream education or special school. We need to be the lifeboat for those pupils who need us most. Perryfields is one of only two PRUs leading the DFE Behaviour Hubs programme and supports schools as far as field as Devon, Doncaster, Carlisle to Kent in turning around their behaviour culture. Scaffolding covers cathedral. Royal beasts will soon glower down from the dizzy heights of Worcester Cathedral as a skilled team works to replace a pinnacle toppled by a violent storm. Scaffolding now covers the tower of the cathedral with the finishing touches soon to be added as part of the repairs following the ravages of Storm Arwen in November 2021. A vortex swirling around College Yard dislodged the pinnacle, sending it crashing through the cathedral roof as Worcester was battered by high winds. The city may be used to peregrine falcons making a home in the heights of the cathedral, but soon enough, There'll be new creatures in the structure's beastery. A crowned lion, a unicorn and a dragon to look out over Worcester. The hope is that the pinnacle can be installed at the end of next month with a delay of eight weeks caused by the nesting peregrines. As well as installing the new north-facing pinnacle, it's part of a twin set, the east-facing pinnacle, which sustained fractures within its base during the storm, will be dismantled and rebuilt with restoration work to the stones. Apprentice stonemasons, Debbie Branford and Alfie Rollett, will replace the Cornish stones on the north upper parapet, cutting and replacing the damaged Cornish stones. The new north-facing pinnacle will comprise a unicorn and a lion head, crafted by stonemason Neil Berry, and a dragon head created by master mason Darren Steele. These are to represent the royal beasts, and will commemorate the coronation year. The unicorn will have an oak horn made by the cathedral carpenter, Dave Skip. Some of the pinnacle crocket stones have been carved by a freelance stonemason, Saul Sheldon, who worked at a mason at the cathedral in the past. Craig Atten, another freelancer who trained here at Worcester Cathedral, will be joining the team to help dismantle the damaged pinnacle whilst the cathedral team will be covering the restoration and repair. The new pinnacle is made of red standstone called Hollington and was purchased from Hollington Quarry, its place of origin in Hollington Village, Staffordshire. The cathedral was battered by 100 miles per hour winds when the storm hit Worcester in November 2021 and the pinnacle was toppled, crashing through the North Choir and leaving a gaping hole in the roof. Chief Operating Officer Matthew Hall said it was one of the biggest scaffolding jobs they'd over- overtaken. Stonemasons have, been, stonemasons have taken some of the inspiration for royal beasts from the royal palace at Hampton Court. We have had an amazing team of stonemasons. This is a traditional heritage skill we continue to this day. The skill of the masons is incredibly said. The work, which is expected to take 12 weeks, started on May the 30th. The scaffolding has gradually expanded, ready for the new pinnacle to be lifted into place. The damaged pinnacle was carved in the 1950s. 
Bug Hotel will help to increase biodiversity. Bugs, bees and butterflies can now find their new home in Worcester, next to the Crown Gate, as schoolchildren unveiled a new Bug Hotel. The brightly decorated structure in Sawmill Garden, which was built by D&J Timber, is part of Crowngate's initiative to create biodiverse areas for insects and hidey holes for creatures to nest. Hedgehogs, toads, ladybirds and woodlice are all hoped to take up residence in the coming weeks after children from Perrywood Primary School helped to decorate the structure with artwork, twigs, leaves, corrugated cardboard and tree bark. Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Louis Stephen, unveiled the new hotel alongside the pupils. Crowngate Centre Manager Mike Lloyd and Community Lead Mayor Ryal on Monday. 15-year-old Maya has always been passionate about wildlife and as a former Perrywood pupil, she saw it as an opportunity to spread an eco-message. I wanted to do something to help the environment and get the children involved too, she said. So I went into reception and we collected twigs and pine cones and came up with the idea of the bug hotel. It was great to go back and see my old teachers again too and know that I was giving something back. Mayor Councillor Stephen, who is the city's first green mayor, explained why the cause was close to his heart. He said, this is fantastic to see the increase of biodiversity in the area, which is something I'm really passionate about. Sometimes children can be frightened of bugs and insects, and this is encouraging them to value them and help preserve them. This is really important. During the day, children had the chance to make their own pom-pom bugs and take home their very own miniature bug hotel. Food and activities were also held at the Boston Tea Party under the helm of manager Mark Newman. Suzanne Beeston, or Beston, head of school at Perry Woods, said, Mayor is amazing and it's really important for the children to understand more about the environment. The children have told us today that this is one of the best days out they've ever had. Crowngate Centre Manager Mike Lloyd said it was just one of the many initiatives that the centre had put in place to continue their eco-friendly drive. We've always tried to do as much as we can for biodiversity and to be as sustainable as possible. We knew that we wanted to do something with this area, Sawmill Garden, to change it and then it became something bigger. Children will be able to continue their great work by taking home their own bug hotel as well. Dan Cox from T&J Timber added, As a company, we try to be as sustainable as possible. We were looking for community projects to get involved with, and when Mike got in touch, we knew we wanted to build something unique. For more information on local initiatives around sustainability or to find out more, visit Worcester, crowngateworcester.co.uk or bostonteaparty.co.uk, our cafes, Worcester, PHP and HTPS, stroke, stroke, www.djtimberbuilding.com. It's a mouthful. It certainly <laughs> is. Right. Impact on cremations. Cremations in the city will definitely be, definitely be impacted during a major 10-month-long makeover, the councillor said. 
Worcester City Council admitted cremations at Astrid's crematorium would be disrupted as it plans to extend and modernise the ageing facilities but would try to minimise disruption as much as possible. It has not yet been revealed where services and cremations could or would take place during the work. The Council's Environment Committee approved plans to spend £250,000 to draw up plans for the renovation. Lloyd Griffiths, the Council's Director of Operations, said cremations and services would most likely be carried out away from Astwood Cemetery during the disruption. There is going to be serious service impact, he said at the meeting in the Guild Hall on July the 18th. Nobody we have talked to has done something without their being, but what we will do is we will provide a mitigation plan. That could be a mix of looking to cremate elsewhere and we will be upfront with families if we do that so there's no hidden agenda and perhaps looking to take services elsewhere too. There's also a connection to us as a council but we would be utilising assets elsewhere. There'll be definitely there'll definitely be an impact. We will try to minimise that as much as possible but what we can't have is services being held at Astwood with workers around and banging going on. The council said it carried out minor refurbishments at Astwood in 2019 and held services at the nearby Masonic Hall in Rainbow Hill during that work. The council's environment committee supported the expected £6 million makeover of the city's crematorium, but future decisions on the work will be made by the Policy and Resources Committee with designs and the budget not expected to be revealed until next spring at the earliest. Councillor Zoe Cookson said the Environment Committee was backing the work based on its green credentials and hoped it remained the central part of the work as it progressed. As part of the work, Astrid's crematorium's three ageing gas furnaces would be replaced with two new electric ones. An extension would also be built for new accessible toilets. The chapel would be reorientated to look out towards the Garden of Remembrance and a new covered entrance and a short chimney would be built. Summer show is set to be the biggest. A Worcester Youth Theatre will take the audience back to the 80s as they perform their biggest and most inclusive summer show in Droitwich. Some 75 young people from Lollipop Youth Theatre will perform Footloose at the Norbury Theatre this week, Thursday, July the 27th to Saturday, July the 29th. Lollipop is an inclusive theatre company for young people aged 5 to 19. The cast from primary and high schools across Worcestershire have been rehearsing each week since January to learn the dances, songs and acting. They promise to get audiences dancing in their seats to songs such as Footloose. Hollyfield's founder and show director said, Our ethos is every child can shine. We encourage young people to build their confidence, self-esteem and self-belief. It is so satisfying to see young people blossom and over time become confident performers taking on lead roles. My team are all volunteers, experienced in musical theatre. We stage two shows a year and we're thrilled to be back at the Norbury Theatre in Droitwich this summer. 80s music is so popular and enjoyable and we're looking forward to our audiences enjoying the feel-good footloose. Amelie Reeves, cast member, age 16, has just finished her GCSEs at Tudor Grange Academy. 
She said, I've been part of Lollipop Youth Theatre for the last seven years and have learnt so much along the way. I am excited to be playing the principal role of Ariel Moore in Footloose. I love the film and its score. The rehearsals have been a lot of fun and are going well. I hope everyone enjoys it as much as I do. Lollipop Youth Theatre Footloose cast this summer include pupils at schools across the county. Tudor Grange, Bishop Perone, Nunnery Wood, Blessed Edward, Christopher Whitehead, Pershaw, Breeden School, as well as primary schools of Purdiswell, St George's RC, Lippard Grange, Whittington, Hollymount, North Worcester and Pitmaston. Tickets are still available for some performance via the www.norburytheatre.co.uk. Lollipop Youth Theatre is simultaneously rehearsing for its autumn show, Matilda the Musical Junior, which will take place on Saturday and Sunday, November the 25th and 27th, also at the Norbury Theatre. Bogus caller warning by House Firm. A housing provider has issued a warning after door-to-door scammers try to trick its customers. Platform Housing Group have warned its customers to look for bogus callers after reports of scammers have been going to residents' homes. The housing provider said the scammers were pretending to work for Platform or a local housing association, despite having no ties to any housing companies. It has urged anyone who has concerns with an unexpected visitor to ask for identification before letting them into the house. Platform Housing Group said all staff and contractors carry photo ID and in a case where its customers feel unsafe, to call the police on 999. A spokesman for Platform Housing added, look out for the bogus callers. We have become aware that some customers have had bogus cold callers visiting their home saying they work for Platform or a local housing association. If you have any concerns regarding an unexpected visitor, please always ask for identification for letting anyone into your home. All our staff and contractors carry photo ID. You can report any concern to us on 0333-200-304 or if you feel unsafe, call the police on 999. The National Cyber Security Centre also offer advice on how to spot and report scam calls, emails, websites and texts. Anger brewing over coffee drive through A campaigner says fed-up residents will not roll over in the fight against plans for a controversial coffee shop drive through at a retail park which could be open 24 hours. Matt Brown has distributed homemade posters saying no to another drive through at Elgar Retail Park, Blackpool Road, Worcester, amid concerns it will add to gridlock on the roads and erode residents' quality of life. A petition against the scheme, set up by another resident, has already garnered more than 100 signatures. The application for the drive through rumoured to be a new Starbucks, seeks approval for unrestricted trading hours, which has led to concerns from residents about noise, especially as some say they are already disturbed by the tannoy from KFC. Going door to door, Mr Brown, 60, has helped galvanise those in the community against the scheme and urged neighbours to register their opposition to the Worcester City Council. 
Consultation was closed on July the 11th. He has lived in Salters Close since 1985 and says that since the retail parks were developed, it has slowly eroded our quality of life. The landscape gardener says there are car meets in the car park where boy racers do four or five donuts and leave. And he's concerned this could get worse, while food waste has attracted rats, foxes and gulls. Warndon Ward City Councillor Jill Desirea intends to speak against the plan when it comes before the planning committee. She called in the application, which she said would otherwise have been dealt with under delegated powers. I can't believe they want to build this thing. We're not going to roll over, said Mr Brown. He doesn't believe the issue will be the loss of 24 spaces, but the extra congestion it will cause at what he described as the ridiculous junction, the entrance to the retail park, which should have been a roundabout. The scheme would mean a loss of 35 spaces, although 11 more spaces would be provided elsewhere in the car park. Mr Brown said parking isn't the issue. The issue is people choose not to park in there because it's busy and park here on the nearby estate. It's a nightmare getting in and out. He says residents have already problems turning right out of Mason's Drive due to the traffic congestion caused by the retail parks. This will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I feel they view residents as collateral damage, he said. The plans submitted by Legal and General Assurance, Pensions Management Limited, have yet to come before the planning committee. Pollarding plan for city's biggest tree. The largest tree in Worcester is set to undergo maintenance work to control its growth and prevent it from injuring people. The City Council is to work on the poplar in Hilton Road, close to the River Severn and Sabrina Bridge, and opposite the University of Worcester's new Elizabeth Garrett Anderson Medical Centre. Several of its branches are growing out over the road and footpaths. A large branch fell off the tree last year, and the Council is concerned that others could do the same, potentially injuring people. To reduce the risk, the council will be carrying out pollarding work on the tree, removing its upper branches to control its further growth. Councillor Zoe Cookson, vice-chair of the council's Environment Committee, said, We value all the beautiful trees in our city and we want to retain them as far as possible, but we do need to ensure that they are safe. There is a real risk of heavy branches falling from this tree in Hilton Road, so from now on we will be pollarding it in a regular schedule to keep its growth at a level and manageable and safe level. Poplars react well to pollarding and this one is very healthy, so it will continue to be part of our beautiful award-winning Riverside Park for many, many years to come. The tree was pollarded and in the past, but for a long time has been growing unrestricted and has now reached an exceptional size. It is currently around 36 metres, that's 118 feet, high and its canopy has a diameter of around 32 metres, 105 feet. The work on the poplar is due to start on Tuesday, July the 25th, subject to the weather conditions being suitable. Temporary traffic lights will be in place on the day while the work is carried out. <coughs> Worcester City Council is a champion city in the National Queen's Green Canopy Scheme with more than 6,000 trees <coughs> planted in the city in recent years. Road shut as goal rescued. 
A worried animal lover called firefighters to rescue a distressed young girl trapped 35 feet up against a city building. The bird became trapped between a window and an outer mesh cover at the front of a window on the building of Tolladine Road. The bird had got itself into big trouble and firefighters closed the road while the rescue took place on Friday, July the 21st. Thea Kerrison, RSPCA Chief Inspector, along with Emily Cheeseman, RSPCA Inspector, was sent to the scene. She said the girl had unfortunately managed to get through the small smashed window from the inside of the building and then had become trapped between the glass and the mesh covering. He had really got into a bit of trouble and wasn't able to free himself at all. A crew from Worcester Fire Station rescued the bird and the road was briefly closed. The crew used a nine-metre ladder and small tools for the rescue, freeing the bird quite quickly. Thea Kerrison said, The rescue was so quick and efficient thanks to the fire service. It didn't cause much of a hold-up. The gull has now gone to a wildlife speciality facility for care and rehabilitation. He did seem to have quite bad feather damage, but hopefully he will be okay. Once again, we'd like to thank the fire service for their assistance, professionalism and help to rescue this bird, who really has had a lucky escape. The RSPCA recommends that anyone with netting installed on their property sets up a system to check regularly for trapped birds and to ensure any netting is in good repair. Problems arise when netting is put up incorrectly or becomes damaged, leaving gaps where birds can enter and become trapped. The birds become exhausted and are often badly injured by the netting and can sometimes suffer a long and painful death from injury or starvation if they are not spotted in time. Anyone who has seen dead birds in netting or aware of a regular issue of birds becoming trapped in netting can forward the address, property owner and the date of the incident to wildlife at rsp-ca. .org.uk Man admits danger dog charge. A 20-year-old man has admitted being in charge of a dog dangerously out of control. Hassan Mahmoud of Bestman's Lane, Kemsey, near Worcester, admitted the offence when he appeared before Worcester magistrates on Tuesday. Hassan Mahmoud admitted six charges being the owner or person in charge of a dog dangerously out of control, causing injury and a further offence of being the owner, person in charge of a dog, dangerously out of control, causing no injury. The court heard Hassan Mahoud had two exile bully dogs who caused injury to six people. All the offences took place in Hedera Road, Redditch, on December 12th last year. Hassan Mahoud was told he'd be sentenced at Worcester Crown Court on August 18th. A second man... Ansar Mahmoud, 58, of Apple Tree Road, Pershaw, faces identical charges but denies the offences. His case was sent to Worcester Crown Court for a pre-trial hearing on August 15th. Residents bag a £1,000 prize in postcode lottery. The lucky Worcester winner scooped a £1,000 prize in the People's Postcode Lottery in the latest prizes. Those with a lottery ticket and WR5 2QS postcode on July 19th will get the prize. 
The postcode is for Littleworth near Worcester. The winning postcode belongs to the People's Postcode Lottery players who live in the cathedral area of Worcester. For £12 a month you will be entered into all draws to win prizes. <coughs> Subscriptions to the Postcode Lottery supports a range of charities across the UK. A minimum of 33% of the ticket prices goes to charity. The People's Postcode Lottery manages lotteries for 20 charities, with each one having a one draw a month. The lottery is hugely popular nationally and supports a wide range of charities and good causes around Britain and around the world. To date they have provided more than £1.1 billion in funding, which is helping thousands of organisations and projects. Firm Support Food Bank Appeal and insurance brokers have teamed up with Worcester Food Bank by being a drop-off point to collect food parcels. Charlotte Rees, referencing administrator at HM Referencing, part of the Hazelton Mountford Group, is passionate about supporting the food bank and their appeal to help local people in crisis. At the recent team meeting, Charlotte addressed the group and shared the latest information on the rising concern within the county. As per the information on the website, nearly 15,000 people were fed by Worcester Food Bank in 2022-23. There's a 29% rise in demand since 2021-22. More than one in three people fed by the food bank are children. Charlotte said, The cost of living crisis is having having different impacts on all of us, but is hitting those hardest who are already struggling. The demand on the Worcester Food Bank has seen a huge increase this past year with almost 15,000 people relying on their food parcels at one point or another. If everyone donates just a little or a lot if they can, we can make a difference to those within our community who need a little extra help when times are tough. Hazelton Mountford, based at 4 Bank Street in Worcester, are a local drop-off point and Charlotte is appealing for support. More information about Worcester Food Bank can be found at https-worcesterfoodbank.org.uk. The mission of Worcester Food Bank is to end hunger and food poverty in the city. They aim to help people in crisis who are referred to us by local agencies by providing food parcels and other essential household products in a non-judgmental place. Since June 2012, Worcester Food Bank has provided a lifeline to thousands of people and families that cannot afford to eat. Through food and cash donations, they are able to supply three-day emergency food parcels to those in financial crisis. Train delays expected. Passengers using Worcester railway stations have been warned to expect delays because of track and signal improvement works this weekend. People boarding trains in Worcester have been warned by Great Western Railway, GWR, that the work will affect journeys through to Oxford for nine days from this weekend, between Saturday, July 29th and Sunday, August 6th. Network Rail will carry out track and signal upgrades around Oxford Station. The works are part of Network Rail's Oxfordshire Connect programme, which will see a new platform and western entrance at Oxford. While the works take place, no trains will be able to run to or from Oxford. A limited number of long-distance trains between London, Paddington and Worcester will run using a diversionary route. 
trains will continue to operate from Didcot for connecting replacement bus services and the Hambra. An extensive replacement bus operation will help to keep passengers moving on routes between Didcot Parkway, Banbury and Hanborough, as well as between Oxford and Oxford Parkway. GWR Regional Station Manager Billy White thanked passengers in advance for their patience and advised them to plan ahead before travelling. He said these works are part of a big programme to improve the railway in Oxford, but we understand the consequences this will have on our customers' journeys and we thank them for their patience during this time. Buses will replace trains throughout the Oxford area while Network Rail carry out these improvements and we encourage passengers to check their journey beforehand. After the core work has been completed, further closures will need to take place on the Sundays of August the 13th, September the 10th and October the 13th. Claire Mahoney, Network Rail's Industry Programme Director, said... This nine-day period of 24-hour working is a really important milestone in the Oxfordshire Connect programme and we thank passengers, local residents and businesses for their patience while this work is completed. It is a vital enabler for the upgrades that will follow and crucial preparation for the introduction of East-West Rail. New 5G tower next to school gets go-ahead. A new 5G tower will be built next to a school in St John's after plans were backed by the council. The 16-metre 5G tower will be built on the corner of Bransford Road and Malvern Road in front of Our Lady Queen of Peace Catholic Primary School in St John's, Worcester. Signal Infrastructure UK ruled out a number of other locations in St John's to place the 5G tower. They included Cripplegate Park, the roof of the former co-op supermarket and its car park, and next to the former Lloyds Bank. The telecommunications firm also ruled out potential locations such as the Eurocar garage in Bromwich Road and the playing fields near Swanpool Walk. Worcester City Council has turned down a number of applications for 5G towers across the city in recent months. Planners rejected a separate move by C.K. Hutchinson to install a 15-metre 5G pole in Wainwright Avenue in Warnden, saying it would be visually obtrusive. The planning, the planning application was submitted just a fortnight after a move to install a 5G tower less than a mile away on the corner of Windermere Drive and Keswick Drive. And that's the end of all our articles this evening. We hope you found them of interest. Uh, so we'd like to say good night to you all and uh, hope you have a successful, happy week and a safe weekend. And the weather is going to improve, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? Fingers crossed. <laughs> so Fingers crossed. Good night from us all. Yeah. Good, good night. night. Good night. Good night. And now the thought for the day. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And that's taken from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. And now the obituaries for this week. Jean Banks, knee rider, passed away on the 15th of July, aged 85 years. A funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 3rd of August at 12.15pm. 
Flowers or donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. A collection plate will also be available at the crematorium. E.J. Gummery and Son Address, 68 to 70 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR 37EU. Robert Brewer, known as Bob, uh, died sadly on the 11th of July. Uh, his, um, his service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 3rd of August at 10.45. Family flowers to AV Band Worcester and donations on a collecting plate for Newbridge Cat Rescue and Rehoming Centre. Jeremy Hyler Eckersley died peacefully on the 12th of July, aged 93. His funeral is at Hereford Crematorium, which is HR4 Nort JE, and that's to take place on the 10th of August at 12.15pm, and it's family flowers only. It doesn't mention about donations. Bruce Baker passed away at his home on July the 9th, aged 79 years. A service of thanksgiving will be held at Pershaw Abbey on Wednesday, August the 2nd at 2pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. Anne Hart passed away peacefully on July the 10th, aged 81 years. Her memorial service will be held at the Church of St Mary Kemsey on Thursday, August the 3rd at 3pm. Donations, if desired, for Blood Cancer UK may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. <clears throat> Marina Sharp, known as Reen, passed away in hospital on July the 7th, aged 86 years. Her funeral service is at Old St Martin's Church in the Corn Market on Friday the 28th of July at 12.45pm, followed by interment at Astwood Cemetery. Family of flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Dementia UK may be left on the collection plate at the church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Wendy Hayes passed peacefully away on the 8th of July. Uh, a funeral service will take place at Wire Forest Crematorium on Friday the 4th of August at 11.30am. Uh, all flowers are welcome. All donations, if preferred, are to be shared between the Critical, critical Care Unit at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital, Birmingham, and at Neuroendocrine Cancer UK, care of Edwin Harris and Sons Limited, 1 Crane Street, Kidderminster, that's DY11 6XT. Their telephone number is 01562 822625. Max Nendick has passed away, um, uh, I'm just trying to see when, it doesn't actually say when he actually died I'm afraid, uh, anyway a service to celebrate Max's life will take place on the 28th of July, that's tomorrow, at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30pm. 
Donations, if desired, from Midlands Air Ambulance. Care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, 54 to 56 Barbourne Road, Worcester. WR11JA. Judith Elizabeth Starkey, known as Judy, passed after a short illness on the 13th of July, aged 71 years. Her funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 8th of August at 11.30am. In lieu of flowers, the family requests donations to be made to Pancreatic Cancer UK using the following link. www.justgiving.com dash page dash Judy Starkey. All inquiries to co-op funeral care, 17 Lowesmore, Worcester, WR12RS or telephone number 01905 22137. And our thoughts, of course, are all with all those people and their relatives and friends at this sad time. Good night. <laughs>